and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street, a monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can also rate and review us on Apple iTunes. So today we're talking about The Dark and the Wicked with Drew Michelle. Welcome to the podcast, Drew. Hello, thanks for having me. Awesome, we're glad to have you. Uh, First off, as I start every top of these episodes with, what is your favorite scary movie? Ooh, I feel like as of right now, kind of basic, but I'd have to say probably like Midsommar. I was thinking about that the other day and I was like, you know what? I think I could rewatch that again. It really changes... Honestly, I feel like I never have ultimate faves for long periods of time. It's always changing. But yeah, that's a good one. It's a disturbing one for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw someone wrote a note on it in in this record store near my house. They're like, it's a romantic, it's like a like a romantic drama, and that's a hill I'm willing to die on. And I was like, oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like miss that but okay <laughs> <laughs> do you have any like any uh, subgenres in the horror world that you're more interested in or are you equal opportunity person? I would say I'm equal opportunity I am all for the fun I like to call them monster in the house you know where there's a bad guy that's gonna you know kill everyone those are fun like you know Halloween I believe I, I'm blanking on the name I don't nightmare on Elm Street no. Yes, that is it. Duh. Those, I love ones like that, but I feel overall my favorite ones, the ones that make me like sit and think for a while are the ones that have, you know, strong social commentary um, ones, you know, where they're digging deeper into like the human condition and these like crazy high stake circumstances, like get out, it follows things like that. That's great. Awesome. Uh, we'll tell the audience where they can follow you on social media and such to keep up with all your awesome adventures. Sure. Yeah. So you can find me at Drew Michelle with one L. I don't know why my parents thought to get creative um, on Instagram and um, TikTok too. And that's been my favorite social media thus far recently. And then I'm also on Twitter, Drew Michelle with two underscores in between. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Also a new play exchange for theater people. Oh yeah, I'm on there as well. Dude, it's been way too long since I've jumped on there, but I need to. I'm on there as well. Mm-hmm. It's got to plug that NPX. All right. Well, let's get down to just some general thoughts on the dark and the wicked, this dark-sided movie. <laughs> yeah. It, it started out so slow and I was like, oh no, did we make a mistake? And then it took a drastic turn and it was a ride. Yeah. <laughs> definitely a ride especially I don't know anything where it opens and there are goats I'm like it's about to get real because (laughs) the devil's here and it's happening so the second I saw that it opened with that and I was like okay here we go no yeah the the aesthetic of this film like the very uh rural farmland with the goats and the tractors and and it had me terrified from the beginning because I am not that person. (laughs) Yeah. I also find myself wondering if goat farming, is that lucrative? Because I mean, I know people do goat milk, but I didn't know there was that big of a demand for it to where you could just have a goat farm. Well, I mean, they were rolling in money. So... (laughs) 
that shack they were living in was some kind of something. Yeah. <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Nope. I also, I think that this is another horror movie that we've watched that benefits from us being isolated because the characters are so isolated. Yeah. I found myself wondering if it would be as scary if we were out and about moving freely like we used to be. 100%. Um, I think the fact that it came out when it did during pandemic times when we're all alone and feeling that isolation definitely made that hit so much harder. Um, And I'm sure they obviously didn't plan that. It's kind of one of those (laughs) strange happenstance and it's like, it's more relatable than it would have been for sure if it came out during normal times. Right. I... I did think, I thought the writing was one of the biggest highlights for me in this film. Well, really everything was, in in all honesty, but like the tone was set from the top and it was consistent throughout the whole show. The characters and their relationships were clear from the very beginning. The stakes were high. I thought that in the storytelling, it was really interesting that we never saw the devil. We only just heard him and Mm -hmm. heard them, I should say. Um, And felt their presence but never saw them so I thought that made it even scarier yes for all those reasons that we've talked about so far I couldn't help but want to see this on stage I think it'd be a nice horror movie transferred to the stage definitely especially because like all of the twists and turns and like horror came from very cycle a psychological place with like for like when you found out that the priest wasn't really the priest and, and the little girl and like the uh, the nurse like all those moments would play oh, that poor nurse oh I, so I was like she's gonna make it like she knows what's going on like and oh man I was like really rooting for her yeah yeah and so all those things could being happening in front of you on stage terrifying would be really really fun yes definitely. Especially I feel like with the way that this film was like, you almost like felt the suspense like in like around you. And so definitely like on stage, that would be even more palpable. Like I, I could definitely see this. Hey, you gotta, you gotta make it, Dre. You could adapt it for stage. (laughs) I'll just call Brian Portino and be like, look. Listen. (laughs) In doing the special effects, like, uh, Especially like cutting off the fingers, which we'll get to in a minute, because like um, or and even like the when the nurse starts like stabbing herself with the knitting needles. Can you imagine doing that on stage? Oh my god! Yes, so much blood. Splash zone in like the first like two rows might get messy. <laughs> so fun. Goats and mannequins. Can we talk about how scary mannequins are as well? Like anytime, like costume department, like you're there like after hours and it's so scary. It's terrifying. Especially if they have heads. I feel like that's scarier when they have the head than when they don't have the head. 100%. It somehow just really amps that up. Yeah. There's something about people made by people. (laughs) (laughs) Even if they are out of plastic or whatever the fabrics are. Yeah, it's creepy. That's why that first episode of Doctor Who with Eccleston stands out. Rose, yeah. Because like they were chased down the street by dummies. And I was like, this is terrifying. Are we sure this is for children? (laughs) (laughs) Terrifying. I had a question about the mannequins and maybe you guys picked up on it. But like, why was she, I'm assuming the mother 
making the clothes with like pen- names pinned on them. Did anyone notice that in that one scene where I think it's the daughters yeah. looking through them and she's like messing with the name tag and her name is on one of them and it looks like a wedding dress. It was very strange. I didn't pick up on why that was there. I actually wondered if the mother used to make clothes or was making clothes to help offset the money they don't pull in from having a goat farm in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I don't know how big goat farms are. <laughs> right. Maybe it's like a cash cow and I'm just an idiot. I, I would own that. <laughs> Yeah, that was really interesting. I, I'm, I thought it was like a hobby, I guess. And it's like, oh, like she was making a dress for her daughter. So they have a good relationship, I guess. Even though the relationships between them for like the rest of the movie led me to believe otherwise. I was like, maybe making clothes is how she shows her love because she's a terrible mother. Otherwise, that's like the only way that she shows it because I don't know. Like, yeah. It did seem like the daughter was closer to the dad and the son was closer to the mother is what mm-hmm. it, it, relationships felt like to me. Because if you notice when uh, the devil like creates these nightmarish ghost figures or whatever, he's always haunted by the mom and she's always haunted by the dad. Ooh, yeah. 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 Um, speaking of, I knew all these characters were dead on arrival the second we met them. <laughs> It just, it was very obvious. This was not going to end well for anybody. Um, but I still enjoyed it. And I actually read a review that said something along the lines of the scares aren't original, but they're done in a way that makes it still effective. And I felt that through the whole movie because I was tense. I was uncomfortable, but it was not original stuff. I think it was just like masterful storytelling and acting. Definitely. Even I got scared from a, some of those jump scares. They got me. And normally I feel like I'm able to like distance myself enough. Like when I, cause you see it happening, right? You're like, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. But I was so, you know, in this film that they still got me, which I think, like you said, Sheree just goes to show you how well they did at telling the story. I think it's wonderful part of it is because they didn't rush at it. And so, you know, it's coming so the anticipation is building because you're like, this is coming. You're going to find out this is not the priest or this girl is in your house. You're going to see this. And then by the time they finally do it, it's that release of, oh God, it's weird, but also I can breathe now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I think that one of the most effective, especially with the jump scares more than anything else really, but like what made them so effective is they were almost a beat after I expected them. So I expected it to happen. And then I was like, oh, I didn't have, oh shit, there it is. You know, <laughs> definitely. The best one was when she's going in the the daughter or granddaughter or whomever that's not real anyway, but so it doesn't matter. But uh, <laughs> when she like appears behind her, that happened like a beat after I expected it to happen. Mm-hmm. Even I think with the mom in the barn, right when, um, close to like the middle to the end of it, because she, you know, she's walking towards him like, okay, it's over. And then she's behind him. And I was like, oh my gosh. It was very surprising. Also, speaking of goat farming, I spent way too much time trying to figure out like what those clinky things were. Like, I was like, is this for wolves? Or is this like some like strange arts and crafts that like she does, like in addition to like making clothes? I was like, I feel like I need to know too much about like agriculture or something. I spent way too much time thinking like, what is this? Like why? It makes so much noise if it's windy. Like, why do they have this? I was wondering if like the goats have been getting out. Or that. 
how does it stop them other than let you know they're leaving? So it's not really. <laughs> See, I thought I thought it was to warn them to protect the goats because I thought that they had been attacked before, just like later on in the film when the when the devil or whatever it was like massacred the entire flock of goats. Um, I felt like that might have almost happened before, and so she put those up as like a warning sign yeah. that satan was there yeah it's like it was really it made me think i was like is this a farm thing or is this like a keep the devil out thing that like it's like which one is it i don't know yeah i'm not sure is it a multi-purpose tool yes exactly i was very curious i spent way too much time thinking about that while watching this movie whatever it came up i was like huh (laughs) yeah well and like so going back to what sheree was talking about with the with the the scares and how they're they were predictable but still effective. I think too part of it was that they went there and then they took like three steps further. So like that finger moment, which is the first like real kind of like, oh my god, this is what is happening moment happens. And when she cuts her finger, because I knew I knew I just I was like she's gonna cut her fingers off. She's gonna mm-hmm. do, it, she do it. And then she did it. And not, it wasn't just one finger, it was like her whole hand. And then she kept chopping them. Yes. That like made it so much worse that she kept chopping them. Yes. Scream, she just cried. It's wild because I started laughing, which I know is like, I feel like that's like my response to being uncomfortable is to laugh. And so I literally started laughing because it just, it was, it just, like you said, it took it to the next level. And I did not. I saw her cutting her finger off, but whoo, that visual. They set it up. So we knew that was going to happen. And we also knew that that first time that chair jumped out to watch her do her kitchen stuff, this was going to bite her in the ass later on. And so when the chair did it again, while she was cutting these carrots, it was like, this is about to happen. (laughs) So it was an instant tense again. Like it, it is, it is, it should be studied if nothing else for tensions, for, for tension as writers go, because I, I don't know many movies we've watched during this podcast that hold tension the way this one does. That's true. Yeah, definitely. And it built. Yeah, like you said, there's that first scene where the chair turns and then she's doing it again and the chair turns and then she chops her fingers off and then she's dead. And then like, yeah, it just continues to build. Uh, but I had a question. So do we think, did she kill herself? Oh, Satan did it. I think so too, because there, there was no, there was nothing there for her to like stand on to, to put the noose on. Maybe a goat. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Black Philip made an appearance in this one too. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the, the the common thing. It's like yes, the devil, quote unquote, kills them, but by their own hand, right? Yeah. Yeah. Aside from Louise. And possibly the father, Satan just is like, I see you have a tool. I'd like for you to use it. Oh, yeah. That, that is so, the, the, with the father, it was just really interesting that everyone got got by, you know, doing, being tricked into like killing themselves. Um, but dad, no. Like that was interesting because that's where it kind of breaks the the pattern. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder as to, because it all started with this man, like, for some reason, the devil's really interested in this dude that we that never talks. There's no flashbacks or anything like that. But like, look at all the lives that suffer because of that. It made me wonder if there are themes of like 
um, you know, what it's like when loved ones get older and family has to, you know, stop what they're doing and completely change their lives to change, like to, to care for them and just overall commentary on end of life, Mm -hmm. how, you know, it's coming, but it just gets dragged out so long, you know? Yeah. Um, It was really interesting that because typically when we, when we get these stories of Satan coming in or a possession or a demon, there is some kind of religious aspect to this family or that it's being affected. But in this one, they're not religious. And they mm-hmm. say multiple times, she didn't believe in God. She, the mother didn't believe in the devil before all this started happening. And so I felt, I found that really interesting because my first instinct was, did the dad like make some, or did the dad or the mom make some kind of deal with the devil? And now it's kind of, but that didn't seem in the text anyway, that didn't seem to, have any real anything to it so then I'm like so what so this really is just random well like he made a pact with Satan way back when for whatever and his family's been dealing with the fallout and because one of the two times I watched it I was really drunk I was like (laughs) is this a political statement for like those families where the father because this was made last year well it came out last year so maybe the year before so it's just like one of those situations where it's like political and you're talking about the families who have the father who all of a sudden is a very Republican hating everybody situation and how it affects his immediate family mm-hmm. because they don't want to cut those strings, but also you got to leave him. Yeah. If it was, I wish they had like, what, what's so interesting is like, they didn't really talk about any dynamic of like their family life outside of the son, like the mom and the daughter, like the dad, but I don't know. There seems to be like some beef, like, like you said, like maybe he did do something in the past because it's just like their whole family dynamic was such a question to me. I was like, they're not close. The brother like left his sister and was like, bye. I love my current family with my wife and daughters way more than you. So good luck with that. (laughs) Yeah, that was rough, but I was that. Yeah. But part of me is like, I don't blame him for leaving because I would have left a long time before that. (laughs) be like shit's happening i'm leaving do you want to ride i would yes i would have been like hey girl you want to get in the car and go with no okay bye i'm leaving see you he was just like i knew you were gonna stay and i was like <laughs> you don't know what anybody's gonna do when satan's at the door you gotta get, give somebody a chance <laughs> but then and but then it's even leaving though that didn't really work out for him too well <laughs> right so it it follows that like is it like no matter what now it I mean, everyone I'm assuming dies, but it's like, dang, like. Again, it, whatever has happened with his father and Satan unpacks the whole family. And I, I don't know, I don't know if this part of the reason the mother was holding on is so her kids would be safe or if it was just like gonna inevitably be like, we can't hold Satan off. Sorry, your dad did whatever your dad did. Well, and I'm also wondering, cause she kept saying, the mom kept saying, I told you not to come. Yeah. Oh my God. So were they like infected when they when they came to this house? Did that if they hadn't have come, would they still have died? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That that part was a big question mark for me. I was like, huh. Like I but I did like that. It was it was I mean, like, it's a horror movie, so I shouldn't feel this way, I guess. But like it was really sad. First when he walks in and I was like, oh no. Cause they're not saying anything. There's creepy ass music playing. And I was like, Oh no. And then they, they, you, you see them and they're all dead. And so he kills himself. 
And then while he's dying, he realizes that wasn't real. Which we all knew. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, but then his, you see his wife and daughters come in and see his death. Oh, my, that's so sad. The, the extra step, you know? It's like the... Yeah. Right. Yeah, it just took it that much further. Oh. But again, him and I forgot the other older man's name who was being haunted and then killed himself. But I, I forgot yeah. his name. Charlie, um, I think. Charlie. Yeah. Charlie. Yeah, but I both of those times I was like, this is very Greek because in the Greek days when they were writing plays, it wasn't like, oh no, I just slept with my mother. We have a lot to unpack with a therapist. It was like, let me claw my eyes out. And so <laughs> I was like, why so extreme? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and about Charlie's death. Why, so what causes him to kill himself as he sees, is Laura her name, the, the daughter? I think so. He sees Laura like stabbing herself and saying, you did this to me. Which so is what, so confusing. Like, so like, what is that about? <laughs> right. Did he also make a pact with whatever is after collecting them? I feel like maybe because how else, why is this crossing family lines now? I thought this was like a weird family curse thing. And then Charlie, I don't know, man. I think maybe there was some like, cause he was really sad when the mom died. I'm like, shit, it's like the mom and Charlie getting it on. Like, was there some like action there? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And because we don't know what put the father in that state, we don't know if the father tried to cheat whatever his way out of whatever he made a pact for. And that's part of the reason it's just sitting in his house watching his wife and watching him. Or it could be, this is really even scarier probably, um, just the land. If you're, if you, anyone who worked there, who was there, is going to die. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying. <laughs> Why the ghosts suffered? Yeah. They all died. You they know, all died. That poor one that had its leg ripped off, and it was like hobbling up. And I was like, "Oh, you poor baby." <laughs> we see a lot of animal abuse in these horror movies, but it's the first time it was a whole pack of goats. And I was like, "Damn you!" <laughs> um. My next point, <laughs> the priest that isn't the priest is when I officially started to lose my shit because it was obvious this was not a priest even before he came back creepy because the way he was talking to them and the way he's like, it's already in the house. And then he came back at 2 a.m. I was like, come outside. And that I was part, like, no. Mm-mm. <laughs> mm-mm. And why was he scarier than the devil? <laughs> like I was scared, more scared of the priest than I was of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. You know, I talk about religion and horror movies, and so I was like, first off, this is not the, this is not the person you think it is. Second, like, close the door. Yeah, that's probably why, because anytime Christianity is brought up, it's something I'm like, oh shit, y'all. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I was just gonna say, also, he was just so creepy, and it also made me think of like vampirism, where you have to like invite it into your home. There was so much standing in doorways and offering for people to like come in, and I was like. Do not let this creepy man into your house. Like, what the heck? Well, and like when the when the grand the little girl is outside and she and Laura tells her to come in, and then she her whole demeanor changes and she starts mm-hmm. grinning, and I'm just like, ah! <laughs> I, both of those times, I was like, stop, close your door, and stop. <laughs> but yes. like, this was another this priest moment specifically was another moment that was just like. It took the 10 that we were parked on in Tins Lane and put it out of 20. Cause while they're here talking to him, he's like, come outside. And Michael wants to go outside because Michael's a dumbass. <laughs> the phone starts to ring and you're like, the phone is ringing at 2 a.m. That's not good. 
And so you have like the phone and the creepy knot priest and Michael, like I would have been to my death. And I'm like, ah, I'm going to have a heart attack. Well, also, yeah, yeah sound effects, that phone <gasps> was so loud. <laughs> also, they, they added some folksy, like the fiddle drone into these like really suspense, like suspenseful um, music that was happening. And that really added a nice little kick to it too. Sure. the weird under the weird underscoring of like words and music like especially when the nurse is killing herself and <gasps> she's like jesus loves me or whatever she's saying mm-hmm. but it's not her it's like underneath her while she's talking and you're like what is happening i don't like this right oh i had i had one question about this house why is michael's light switch outside of his bedroom <laughs> <laughs> when that light was coming on in that one scene, he had to walk outside of his bedroom, turn the light off. <laughs> it does not seem effective. Okay. I don't know. Let's also talk about how his switch is right there so he can see it if somebody touches it and he would just like go flick it back off. Like, this is fine. It flicks right. the phone all the time. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh, and another point about like, how they took it one step further with the little girl. She's in the door, she's smiling and grinning and she says something and that makes Laura like run to her dad while she runs and then she's there behind her. She falls back and then there's another jump scare where she's next to her on the other side. So it's like, it it just took it, yeah, another example of that. And you know it's coming, but it's still terrifying. And the whole time the door's open and you're just like, close the damn door, Louise. Like, close the door. Like, Right. You gotta get these like evil people out by like closing your door. Stop inviting people into your home. Yeah. yeah. Stop. Oh, that one moment where she picks up where she actually answers the phone and it's her mother after she's dead saying, I told you not to come. <gasps> oh my god. Yeah. Also blaming the victim. <laughs> yeah, for right. Um, also, I was so curious what Charlie was going to tell them, like, because he, he was like really distraught, like he was like, pick up, pick up, pick up. And then, oh, man, I just want to know what he was going to tell them. Like, was he going to warn them? Because he knew what was going on the whole time. Like, he knew like the evil stuff that was like happening, like all the things that were left unsaid. Because he was he was trying to call them in the same night that the creepy priest was outside, mm-hmm. Michael out. And that was him calling the phone that she didn't answer. Uh, so she had answered. Who knows what would have happened? Different movie. Yeah. Different but movie. Then, but then to, according to her, it could be her mama telling her she shouldn't have come. So like, I also don't blame her for not answering. <laughs> Every time she did pick up a phone, it was bad news. Like when she called the priest, he's like, I don't know who you are. She's like, you were in my house yesterday. He's like, no, I wasn't. Who is this? And I was like, oh God. <laughs> like Chicago or Kansas or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anywhere near texas (laughs) which again explains why the priest was creepy before he came back at 2 a.m because the way he was talking to them i was like this is not this is not okay um (laughs) see i i they got me with that i did not expect him not to be the priest because i've seen so many of these films where the priest is that kind of like gruff you need to listen to me to survive kind of person so i totally went with it and so when it turned out it wasn't him i was like oh fuck <laughs> the way they play with lighting in that scene because he was always a little bit in shadow and always a little bit mm-hmm. sinister i was like they just let satan in the house again 
for the 10th time this movie no like i was just like y'all y'all know you can just like talk people outside right you could just <laughs> try that yeah that feels what did you guys think of that phone call when she called the the what we thought was the priest and he was like that took me for a ride because I was like, holy, holy cow, like, what is this? And it, he was like, you sound like my daughter who like killed herself. And I was like, yeah. what? Yes, it was weird. His name was also Louise. Right. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I need the answers. I need the answers from this movie. <laughs> yeah, there are so many questions. And it's really interesting because I feel like overall, like, I really think that this film captures grief. And not only grief, but guilt that go like hand in hand, like when a family member like dies or like kills themselves and you find out later how much they were struggling, you're left with this guilt of being like, what could I have done like to have made it better? And maybe they would still be here. Like that guilt that they capture that goes like hand in hand with grief, I feel like was so strong. Um, but like all these other questions, like there were so many, I feel like loose ends in that regard of just like things that were brought up and I'm like, wait, what the heck, who is this? Like, what is happening? But I feel like overall the themes were so strong. Like I kind of knew what they were trying to say that I have questions and I'm definitely super curious. I would love to know, but it's not super, I don't know. It didn't, it wasn't like weighing heavily on my mind if that makes sense the questions i have are very superfluous like they're they're kind of about the the at the exterior of the story i got everything that i needed to get to go from point a to point b so i'm, I'm just interested in the world <laughs> which is a good place to be because you don't want to give too much detail because then you're like we spent an hour talking about her backstory and her curtains stephen king and so <laughs> We never want that when we can avoid it. And so I was happy with what we did get, but because of how well done it was, I was like, who exactly did this? <laughs> who exactly started this? Right. Um, is there a way out? Because y'all all look doomed right now. But is there a way out if there was a better choice to be made? Right. Yeah. Well, and going back to what Drew was saying about them handling grief and um, regret and loss and all that kind of stuff, it was interesting to see the difference in how the daughter and the brother handled the journal when they found the mother's mm-hmm. journal. She was all about reading it. And he was like, no, stop. I don't want to know what's in there. So very different coping mechanisms. Definitely. Yeah. Even up until the end, though, there is that guilt and obligation because Louise makes it outside. She's not looking good, but she makes it outside. And then she hears her father cough and she's like, I can't leave him. And I was like, you know, it's too late. You know nothing good's going to come from you sitting next to the bed waiting for whatever it is to come for both of you. But she goes like it anyways. Oh, and then she hears her mom singing that uh, what a friend I have in Jesus. And it's really the devil. <laughs> so creepy. <laughs> that juxtaposition concerns me. I, I need us to not give evil things those kind of songs. <laughs> <laughs> they did that a lot because when Michael's at his house and he's walking in, the record is playing some kind of old timey um, Christian hymns as well. Mm-hmm. So they did that a lot. It was, yeah, ooh, very unsettling. Very, very unsettling. No. Um, I just have another, I have a disclaimer to say that if I'm in the shower and I hear the door open and close and there are footsteps, someone's going to get hurt. <laughs> I'm not just going to cower and cry in the corner. I'm going to knock your ass out. 
I was so surprised that she didn't, she wasn't even like, Michael, like, what are you doing in here? Like what? She's just like, wow, that's, this is annoying. Isn't it annoying when people walk in and you're taking a shower? She said like, I just needed three more minutes. And I was like, it makes me wonder what their childhood was like in this shack when they were all for living here. Right? Because they're not a close family. And so it's not like they're used to like breaking in each other's boundaries in space. Um, and so I must have just been like, well, when we were kids, we could never have five minutes alone. So why would you change now that we're in our 40s? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Even in the shower. Right? <laughs> One of my points is that I get frustrated when characters don't make good choices. Because a lot of times the choices they make are so dumb just to move things along. And mm-hmm. that's one of the issues I do have with this movie because it's a good movie, but they were just doing dumb shit to be doing dumb shit. Like Michael trying to run outside when the creepy not priest like, come outside. Why would you? You looked him in the eyes that he don't have. And you're like, <laughs> I'm gonna go fight him. for How, Michael? How? That was, that was another moment I was like, uh, yeah, why are you out? Why are you running outside? Away from your sister, who's clearly also troubled by this situation. Also with your bare hands. It's not even like, all right, I could see someone being like, I don't know, like picking up the kitchen knife or like, I don't know, they're out in Texas. So getting his rifle and being like, get off my property or something, right? But he just goes outside with his bare hands to do what exactly? If evil tells you where it wants you, you would think you don't want to be there. Right? I wouldn't, personally. I have enemies who are not supernatural evil, but if they told me to go be outside, I wouldn't go. Because you know what? I don't want to make them happy. I don't want any part of their schemes. But Michael's like, let it go. Ah, I'm a man. Another dumb choice is when Louise leaves that door open for that little girl who's evil to get in and invites her in while she goes checks on her dad. And when she finds out the girl's evil, what does she do? Not close the door, not keep an eye on her, runs to her dad so she can't be in the same room to see what's happening with the evil girl since she just let in. And I'm just like, the, oh, we can make smarter choices. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, my favorite, which is every dumb choice that starts every horror movie. Why don't they just leave up top? The dad has a nurse. <laughs> there would be no movie. <laughs> the <laughs> end. Right? This is creepy. Shit's happening. We should keep staying. Right. I did, well, I thought one thing that they did that the storytellers did to keep them in the house was really interesting. And I thought fairly effective was when they were trying to get him transferred to a hospital so that they could leave. But the, the hospital wouldn't take him because they said he wouldn't make it to the highway. And that came so late. Right. That's what you get for living out in the middle of nowhere, Dad. Sorry, I got to go. <laughs> It came so late because after the first couple of supernatural instances, you would think, I need to leave this place. And they were like, no, there's a logical reason Satan's out here talking to us. Let's just put our heads together. <laughs> I'm like, no, leave. Get in your house and your father. Clearly, you can't win this. <laughs> yeah, I think they were trying to play into that, you know, no one should like die alone thing. Especially with like the nurse, she was like, you know, my job's kind of sad, but you know, oftentimes I'm the only one that's there and no one should have to like die alone. I feel like that was like, I guess no matter, I mean, it depends on how much beef you have with your dad. It's like, you could die alone, dad. But I feel like, you know, I get, I get why she, why she stayed. Um, 
I feel like them talking about that. I was like, okay, I, I could see that. I, I, I think I wish that if they're going to play that, I wish they had played up a closer relationship between her and her father. We got an idea that they were close, mm-hmm. but it, I mean, it could have been a line of dialogue that just said, you know, oh, a memory or, you know, something to kind of show more of a relationship. Cause we, ne- I, ne- I got that they were, she was closer to him than her mother, but like, I, it never felt until that one scene, I guess, that she is literally laying in bed with him and which the- I found weird. So weird. So weird. But then Satan showed up and made it even weirder. Yeah, right. Um talk about unwanted, like whew, yeah. <laughs> I was like unwanted threesome. <laughs> that scene, that scene with her crying in the bed as Satan is mounting her dad behind her and she's crying and trying to not breathe was how I felt watching this movie, knowing I could hit stop, but I couldn't. <laughs> and I hated it. I hated it. So cringy. And, yeah, and I thought it was like a weird choice that she was even in the bed with him to begin with. I was like, oh, like, you wanna sleep? Like why, if I'm taking care of my parent that, you know, to make them comfortable, I don't know if I'd wanna sleep in the same bed. Yeah, I mean, this is after he has, Michael has left. And so it's just her and the dad. Is she doesn't it not? know he's gone now. What? She doesn't oh, know Michael she's... left. She doesn't know for the next day. Because he is leaving, but she doesn't know that yet, right? Yeah. But I wouldn't want to be in the same room just so I'm not alone. But yeah, I wouldn't want to be curled up in the bed next to him. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting. She trying, was she trying to protect him? Or do they just have a weird relationship is what I need to know. Cause that's not clear. It really isn't. I think it was more to protect him. I, I think once she started realizing some like weird supernatural shit was like happening and that their dad was kind of like the source and the reason for it. Like, I don't know this again, like how many people have to suffer for this one man? <laughs> like, I just don't, it is really interesting. I really feel like it really, I ke- it keeps on making me think of like, when people's parents like, you know, get sick and they like, they have to come live with them, how, how it disrupts so many people's lives, you know? And it makes it sound, I feel like that sounds just like thinking about like the logistics of it and how disruptive it is. I mean, it's obviously something that has to happen and it's good that people do that, but it just makes me think of how disruptive that is. And I feel like it's like drawing a parallel maybe there. I don't know. Well, I also kind of think it's that, it's that idea that if something scary is happening, there's safety in numbers. Because right before that, she try, she pleads with Michael to stay in the house with her and the dad. And he says, no, I've got to go make sure that the notes are okay. I don't <laughs> <laughs> He's concerned about these goats. But really, we know he's trying to make a getaway. Uh, well, I, actually, I don't think he is at that moment. I think because that's also the scene where he sees the mom and she like backs him up to the back of the, like on the wall or whatever, screaming in his face. I might leave if that happened to me too. <laughs> While we're in this barn with him and his mom and the goats, I just wanna also do another send out because we had nudity that was not for the male gaze. This mm. dead woman had suffered. It was not like, ooh, let me like do this for the fanboys. And that's the kind of nudity I like to see. Yeah. <laughs> Fair, fair points. 
Yeah. I have goals. Now and I want to become an actor when I'm older just so I can be naked. <laughs> for people. <laughs> you're like, ooh, your father made a pact. Come here. What? <laughs> oh man. We match you a little bit. <laughs> right? I was like, so you started acting at the age of 60. I was like, yes, I did. <laughs> what it's about- hard to break in as a young ingenue. It is. So, you know. <laughs> now creepy old dead woman was naked. That I got. Yeah. <laughs> That's my type. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for seeing me. <laughs> we did not talk about the nurse bringing needles to a Satan fight. I know that you need a hobby when you're a nurse, but don't bring sharp objects into a house that's clearly possessed. Well, in her defense, she also brought one of those candles with the Virgin Mary on it. So maybe she thought I'm a little protected by that. <laughs> That's a bad combo because you're bringing in something religious to piss off the thing that's already pissed in the house and you're going to bring out some sharp objects. So I guess today she was like, you know what? Fuck it. I live dangerously. <laughs> and the devil was like, I heard you and I took offense to that. <laughs> Your God, it will not save you. Right. Right? That, candle. <laughs> I want to say her performance in that scene though, breathtaking. When she went from feel it you could see you could see her change physically and then the tear rolled down her cheek and then she started grinning and then she just started stabbing herself and like laughing oh my god i was like girl you you deserve some awards for that shit i also just love that you can you can hear her and see her fighting whatever's making her do the things while she's also like hiding the practicals like shoving the needle in her eye while covering that and things like that and so, like, she's doing, like, four different jobs <laughs> in this little stretch. And I was just like, give her all of the dues. Yes. Well, and, like, uh, one of her speech, which Drew was talking about earlier, when she's talking to Michael um, and talking about her job and how, you know, it sucks, but, you know, people don't need to die alone. That was a real, that was kind of just a beautiful monologue, I thought, just writing-wise. I was like... I'm kind of touched at this moment in this terrifying dark side of movies. Yeah, that really resonated with me too. Because I guess you could even argue that even if their family life sucks, at the end of the day, this is a human being who can you make the argument that no matter how terrible someone is, that no one deserves to die alone. And I also think that the nurse being kind of the last victim before the daughter makes sense because I think the devil is trying to get close to the dad so that he can take him, take his soul or whatever. Because if you notice after the nurse is stabbing herself and she starts stabbing the daughter, she like pulls her away from her dad so that she's not physically close to him. Oh yeah. I was wondering why she was dragged. I was like, she going to like bury her or something? Like where is she taking her? Yeah. She just drags her into the living room and then starts stabbing herself again and dies. Um, but yeah, she's not. She's no longer in the room with her dad. So the devil, there's no one protecting him now. Right. Really, there's like so much. There's so much that happened in this movie. So much. <laughs> so much. Especially, and it's only an hour and a half, but I felt like it was so long. Because also, I was on anxiety the whole time. Right? It... It felt like a novel, but like, because <laughs> there was so much to unpack and there was so much to like go see. I watched it twice and I still have even more questions, but it still feels like a longer situation than it was. 
there was a moment where I looked and I was like, how much longer is this movie? And it's like, oh, fuck, there's a whole other hour. I don't know. <laughs> I had a false start the other day before I actually watched it. Because, like, I think it was, like, Tuesday where I was like, I'm awake at a weird time. I'm going to push play. And I made it, like, three minutes into those goats and those bales. I was like, nope, this is not for me today. <laughs> I'll see you at sunrise. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I watched it at night and it was... I will never. (laughs) Never. All right. Well, should we get to some hot takes? My hot take was don't have goats ever because apparently it's not lucrative. You're going to have to sew some clothes to make ends meet, but also some shit's going to happen to you and your family if you do. Right. We've seen this multiple times now. There is proof. It don't end well for families with goats ever. Ever, ever. In the middle of nowhere. Right, right. Why well, don't just go ahead and, and like start practicing your dark magics before getting the goats? Right. Save yourself all that farmland and time. You gotta do. If you want to have a goat farm in the middle of a, like an urban city, you go right ahead. Yeah. But do not have a goat farm in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> especially Thurber, Thurber, Texas. Thurber. That was where they were. I wonder if that's a real town, Thurber. Thurber, I really hope so, because I was just like, it would be Thurber, Texas. It wasn't even a town. It was like four random shacks scattered. <laughs> Goat farms everywhere. Yep. Right? If you had had neighbors, at least then you'd be like, someone saw me invite the evil inside all five of these times. So they at least know what's about to happen to us. Especially when um, when that random um, girl showed up at the door and she's like, I heard you. And I was like, from where? That was my red flag number one. Cause I was like, there is no house that's close by. Like what you mean? Like you were walking down the street going where and heard her scream. Right. <laughs> no why, why doesn't she realize there's no car? Like how'd this little girl get here? Right? So many red flags. The sad part is I feel like Louise looked around a little bit, but was just like another person, yay. Cause I don't know where my brother is and I'm worried you might've left me. Come on in evil. And evil was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind if I do. Right. Um, I'm also just curious how many times they have to invite evil in. Cause they did it so many times. So I don't know if there's like a hat trick where the fifth one is the charm or what. <laughs> but my actual hot take. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not to take away from this film because it is a fun ride, especially once shit starts going sideways. But I think a huge part of the reason I was disturbed was because they put the religion in this horror movie. That's already got the isolation factor, which we all have because we've been in a pandemic for over a year now. And so I think that those two flavors in my peanut butter is the reason I was not okay. Yeah, my hot take is similar. This movie is why I don't fuck with the devil, number one. But number two, it, movies like this are just not my, as I've said before, they're just not my cup of tea. I put this up there with like The Witch, which incredible movie, well-made, well-written, well-acted, everything. There, I don't have an issue with the movie itself. It's just not my cup of tea. Um, I'm just not into like the bleakness where everything is going to end and your ever character is going to die. There's no hope. There's no nothing. You're going to go home and see your whole family killed. And then, well, surprise, they're not killed. And now you're killed. <laughs> it's just, it's not for me. I, I, but I, I admire the film because I think it's really well made. It reminded me of the cutscenes in the survival horror games I used to play when I had time to be a better gamer. Because, like, this was definitely some Silent Hill shit. And that's another reason why I was like, no, no. <laughs> All right. Well, that was the Dark Side movie. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the Dark and the 
<laughs> I could not, I could not remember. I'm also, I'm really bad with remembering the names of things in general, even things I really love. I just like forget all the time. So even the dark and the, the dark side and the, the woods, I was like, wait, what, what is this film even called again? Kind of like a girl walks home alone at night. I was like, that is a mouthful. <laughs> and the wicked. Goodness, such a mouthful. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so thank you so much, Drew, for coming on and joining. Thank you for having me. Next week, we'll be covering Possessor. Sheree and I will be keeping it fierce, just the two of us. And that'll finish off our month-long celebration of films we may or may not want to take with us from 2020. Thanks again, Drew. Thank you all for listening, and make sure you stay fierce out there. Bye. Bye.